Another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is part of the Sports Ethos family of podcasts. So check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Today is Wednesday. We are midway through the week. Thank goodness. The 16th of November. Always remember the 16th of November. Said no one ever. I don't even know why I said it. We had some fun games yesterday. Good action in basketball last night. Going to run through the scores here real quick. And then get y'all on y'all way. So let's get started. We have to start with the game of the night for me. This is a game I'm watching one team very heavily as this is the team of the week. I don't know if I brought this up this week. But every week I'm going to be focusing on one team in depth. Um, watching their games. Trying to see if I can catch any trends. Players that stand out. The like. Uh, and then break it down here either by myself or with um, a guest. So this week, that team is the Sacramento Kings. It started um, on Monday when I watched their game uh, against the Golden State Warriors. I mean, they played the night before, but I watched it. Um, and then I watched them again last night as they had their first TNT game in four seasons against the Brooklyn Nets. And what did the Kings do? Oh, you know. Just scored the most points they've scored in a game since 1993, when I was a twinkle in my parents' eye back then. Just blitzing the Nets, 153 to 121. Highlighted by a 42-point third quarter that blew the game wide open. This was a game tied at 40. It wasn't a game anymore by the end of the third. Monstrous performances up and down the roster for the Kings. Like, this was a dominant victory for them and a really nasty loss for the Nets, who, you know, after starting out really strong in the wake of Kyrie Irving's absence, have proceeded to slump just a little bit here. For the Kings, like I said, this was a dominant team victory, so everyone ate in this game. The guy who led the way was Terrence Davis, though. Uh, Keegan Murray went down late. In or early, um, late in the first half, and Terrence Davis really stepped up in a major way, or rather, yeah, Murray went down middle of the second quarter around there. Um, Davis stepped up in a major way 31 points, nine rebounds, four assists, blocks, steals, uh, three of those, all of that. He had a huge second quarter with 10 points, five rebounds, three steals, and two assists alone. Knocked down seven of 10 from beyond the arc. Davis was on a heater, and he was not the only one. Seven different Kings scored in double figures. This is including Terrence Davis. In addition to Davis, Kevin Herter played great, just electric, especially in the first half. He had 19 points, two rebounds, three assists, knocked down five threes as well, five of seven from beyond the arc. The guy has been just knocking down shots at a high clip, uh, for a good stretch of the season, and that continued last night. 17.7 boards and 7 assists for DeMontis Sabonis, who thoroughly dominated his matchup against Nick Claxton. Claxton couldn't do anything in the post against him. I'm sorry. Like, there's a 
tool shed, a treasure trove, whatever you want to call it down there in the post, Sabonis has it, uh, as well as just a whole lot more weight and muscle over Claxton. There was nothing Claxton could do. I felt sorry for the young man because Sabonis was getting it in, but it wasn't just him. 16 points for Harrison Barnes, who made some nice threes, benefited from some timely cuts and good passes, really just played the Harrison Barnes type of game, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists for him. Darren Fox, balance game for him, 14 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds, didn't shoot a 3 ball particularly well, but did hit a buzzer, beating 3 at the end of the first quarter, uh, just really did a good job controlling the pace of the game. Off the bench, in addition to Davis of the 31, Trey Lyles, 12 points, 4 rebounds, solid play from him. Malik Monk, I was really impressed by, have been all season, um, he had 15 points, 3 rebounds, and 6 assists, and I love that he's kind of picking up even more, and he's been kind of empowered by Coach Mike Brown to do this, but picking up more from where he left off in L.A., uh, being more of not just a shooter, but also someone who puts the ball on the floor, creates a little bit, more of a combo guard, um, second-side offensive initiator, and he does a really good job in that role. Good job finding the role, man. Um, okay with kickouts. Not a point guard, not at all like that, but someone you give the ball to, you know, on empty side pick and roller or something like that and say, hey, like, make something happen. And he can do that in spurts. And, and I love what I saw from him on that end. Um, the Nets just had no answer for it. There, there really was no way they could. Uh, they had just Kevin Durant in double digits for most of the game. Uh, and then, you know, garbage time happened. And then players like Edmund, Summer, uh, Edmund Sumner, excuse me, Cameron Thomas, Ben Simmons, and Utah Watanabe joined Durant. Durant had 27 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists in 31 minutes. Uh, a lot of it, I mean, he was making shots. It just was that the Kings, in addition to blitzing the Nets on the court, blitzed Kevin Durant defensively as well. Two players were coming on him off of the pick and roll um, when Kevin Durant would try to isolate on a weaker defender, and the Kings were like, nah, fam, we're just going to double you. And you either drive to the basket, which Durant did a couple times, got some and ones, made some layups, or you pass out of that because you're stuck. And when Durant passed out of it, the Nets unfortunately could not take advantage of the opening that Durant provided, whether it was, you know, not shooting the ball super well from three. Um, I mean, they ended up going 39 of, uh, I mean, they ended up going 39%, 11 of 28, but a lot of those misses, man, uh, the first half, you know, Joe Harris, one of five, Edmund Sumner, one of four, Royce O'Neal, one of four, uh, you know, uh, it was just a rough kind of performance for a lot of them from three. Um, Durant only took one three and missed it. Now, like I said, they ended up catching up enough to make it look halfway decent from three. Uh, they definitely weren't shooting the Kings 48% from three. That wasn't happening. But it looked a little more respectable. But in the first half, it didn't. And in addition to that, the Nets were just piling up turnovers left and right, which led to big runs for the Kings. In the second quarter, for nearly four minutes in the second quarter, the Kings won a 16-0 run. For the final seven minutes in the second quarter, the Kings run a 29-4 run. Brooklyn, in total, had 17 turnovers. They had 10 of those in the first half. They had eight of those in the second quarter alone. That's not going to win you ball games. <laughs> it just isn't. Um, and again, uh, aside from Durant, in the time that counted, not a lot of players really stepped up. Edmund Sumner had some moments getting to the rim, um, trying to generate some type of offense aside from Durant. But it was hard going for him. And again, a lot of it got going late when the game was already well decided. Uh, ben Simmons, spotlight on him, 20 minutes. Um, you know, Coach Jacques Vaughn hasn't played more of like a backup center role. But rather than playing the old point guard role that he was playing, he's looking 
more like the Ben Simmons of old. He had a few moments where he's running the lane, you know, catching trailer passes, finishing at the rim, um, you know, kind of pushing the ball when he did have it. Like, I really like the way that he played. He finished with a season-high 11 points. Yep, I know. Moving on. Five rebounds, three assists, five of seven from the field. He looked aggressive on the offensive end, and it was really cool to see that. The Nets need a lot more of that, but they actually, I think, need Kyrie Irving back. I mean, ultimately, this team was built around Durant, Irving, and Simmons. Um, and, you know, you weren't expected players like Sumner, um, like Claxton, like Neal to have to take on such heavy offensive roles. Yuta Watanabe, I mean, played well, but that's not his role either. Definitely more of a glue guy, guy who could space out the floor, you know, that sort of thing. And guys are, are having to do more, you know. Um, and the guys who did come off the bench, you know, they have their weaknesses. Seth Curry's still dealing, you know, with ankle injury. Um, he's healthy, but I'm saying in terms of management, uh, didn't look super great, didn't take a lot of shots, and they needed it from him. Uh, honestly, between him, he just had nine points on three of six shooting. Cam Thomas played 21 minutes. We know he can get it up, and we know there's not much else he does there. But he had 12 points, but none of it really during an important part of the game. It just wasn't there for the Kings. And it hasn't been there since they lost to L.A. over the weekend, um, their last good win was against the Clippers, and I think this is just a team that they are, where if they're healthy and, you know, Irving's back, yes, the distraction, I guess, is there from the media in terms of, like, the next thing he'll say or next thing he'll do, but in terms of on the floor, I mean, he gives another guy that takes pressure off of Durant, you know what I mean? It would have been someone who pushed uh, a little bit more for De'Aaron Fox instead of him being able to kind of lay back a little bit defensively, like, I don't know, there would have been, there would have been some, um, additional pressure for the Kings to have to defend. That's what I think. But ultimately, Nets move on. Uh, what a win for the Kings. They will be on uh, national TV uh, what, five more times this year. So really good to see them have a dominant victory. I'm really excited that of all the games I decided to watch, like really focus in on for the team of the week, the Kings were the one. They've now won uh, seven games right now, uh, four in a row if I remember now. Uh they're, they're just looking really good right now. They're just looking really, really good. And there's this thing at the Golden 1 Center where after they have a win, they shoot like this light out in the sky. I guess they call it the laser. Uh, they've been firing up the laser quite a few times here, ladies and gentlemen. What a win for the Sacramento Kings. Yes, I said that in the year, my lord, 2022. <laughs> but let's move on to another big game. Uh, the Clippers and the Mavericks clashed. And Luka Doncic, man, Wow. He just continues to amaze. Just continues to amaze and continues to light up the Clippers. Just absolutely light them up. Uh, Doncic in a victory for the Mavericks that was a lot tighter than it looked on the onset. Had 35 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. He shot 11 of 22 from the field and hit a clutch 3-pointer in the 4th that was nasty. Including silencing the crowd with the finger to the lips. The guy is a magician he's up there in the mvp ladder the guy is just a monster i I can't find enough adjectives to describe how good luka Doncic is but the mavs they came on strong i mean dorian finney smith had 21 points on a career high seven threes spencer dinwiddie added 16 points christian wood had 15 points off the bench reggie bullock had 13 and the mavs had led by as many as 25 points before the clippers stormed back all the way back in the second half to take the lead I mean, it was it was nasty. Um, it showed the resiliency of the Clippers because I was like, "Wow, this this is not going to be a good game." 
um, for the Mavericks to let all that go. It felt very much like their opening night loss to the Phoenix Suns, where they led by a ton, and the Suns came back, and a Damian Lee, you know, travel but shot that wins. Like, that's what it felt like. Uh, and the Clippers did, but once it got back to the back and forth, you know, the Mavericks uh, took hold down the stretch and, and reasserted the dominance there, Luka in particular. He is, they really couldn't stop him. You know, getting to the basket, his body's felt um, for his size and frame to go finish around the basket. We know he can shoot the three ball well. You know, his step back three that he likes, getting to the lane, finishing the post. Like, there's not a way you can really stop this man outside of just selling out your defense and completely blitzing. And when the Mavericks are spaced out and hitting their threes like they were last night, um, you're kind of stuck. But for the Clippers, you had 23.7 boards and six assists from Paul George. Uh, 22 points for Nicholas Batum, who went 7 for 7 from 3, as well as 5 rebounds. 18 points for Marcus Morris Sr. Off the bench, a really strong game by John Wall, who was really key in, 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 in bringing that comeback happen for the Clippers. He had 17 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. But honestly, unfortunately, that was about it. Just those 4 players in double digits. After that, 6 for Reggie Jackson, 5 for Norman Powell, 3 for Visa Zubac. Like... You know, that might have done it had Paul George or Marcus Morris hit another three or two, but it didn't happen. Um, Luka did, and that was enough for a Mavericks victory. So a good win for the Mavs there against the Clippers team that, you know, I mean, eight and seven, but compared to expectations, I don't think have been where we thought they would be yet. Pelicans beat the Grizzlies without Zion Williamson, 113 to 102. Uh, Zion Williamson was out with foot soreness. Uh, unfortunately, in injury news as well, bad news for the Grizzlies. Uh, guard Desmond Bain will be out for the next two to three weeks with um, a right toe injury. You don't want to play with the feet. Those are definitely um, rough there. And I hope that Bain recovers quickly. Same, of course, with Zion Williamson. But for the Pelicans, CJ McCollum had a season-high 30 points, knocked down seven threes, had nine assists as well. Get 19 points from Brandon Ingram, uh, 19 from Larry Nance off the bench, 12 from Jose Alvarado, who really keyed a just great second quarter for the Pelicans, 10 for Herb Jones, 13 for Trey Murphy. Like, it was a good team effort, keyed by consistent shooting from CJ McCollum, and it was enough to outlast the Grizzlies, who had a monster game from John Morant, 36 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 19 points for Dylan Brooks, 15 points for Brandon Clark. Unfortunately, that was it for players in double digits. Jaron Jackson returned. First game all season for him in 25 minutes, 7.6 rebounds, a couple of great blocks, but definitely looked a little rusty, you know, a couple of fouls, you know, the Jaron Jackson experience. So definitely hope to see him kind of come back to regular season form for him. Um, but yeah, I think the problem is, you know, the Grizzlies weren't really knocking out shots at a super high clip outside of John Morant. And it's funny, Charles Barkley said this, and I don't know if I agree with this on the program last night, but he said that John Murray doesn't really do a good job making other players better. I, I don't think he does as good enough of a job as you'd expect or like. I think he does to a certain extent. You can see it. I mean, when he's on there, you know, at least on the offensive end, I think he's able to find guys, able to get to the basket well. You know, Brandon Clark benefits from him. Um, Jaron Jackson can get there. You know, their bigs, I think, benefit. Like, he does a good job. I just think the ascension of Desmond Bain has helped as well to kind of mitigate maybe some of uh, Morant's effectiveness, especially as Bain's been just a great second-side offensive creator. Like, it's been nice to see what he has done on the ball. But definitely think Morant could do better? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, as just a regular point guard. But I I don't know if I'd go that far to say 
that he doesn't do a good job. That's just my own personal take there. Uh, aside from that, though, I think last night it just wasn't enough aside from Ja. 36 points and 8 rebounds, 4 assists? Like, come on now. That, that's pretty good. Now, that wasn't like it was garbage time. Although, he definitely ran out of gas, and the Grizzlies as a whole did, scoring just 15 points in the fourth quarter uh, as the Pelicans stretched out and put it away. Like, that's not going to get it done, you know? And John Morant's had to take on a bigger low when he hasn't been out due to injury just because a lot of these guys on the offensive end for the Grizzlies, I mean... With Desmond Bain out, all of a sudden, you're looking at, like, Dylan Brooks to lead the way if John Morant's not playing. Dylan Brooks, nice third, fourth option, but if he's your main man, I don't know what to say, y'all. Like, if he's your main man, I really doubt the plan. That's all I got, you know? Like, I don't know. And so, I don't know. It, it seems like the Grizzlies right now, they're, they're okay. They're okay. Injuries have happened. They've weathered the storm. They're still 9-6. and six. That's not bad at all. You know, we've seen what they've done in the playoff series. Like, they're a team that... Is going to be a tough out regardless. I'm not ringing the alarm bells or anything, but definitely think they're not playing up to expectations because part of it's injury, but part of it is like the personnel does depend on John Morant to score a ton of points, you know? And that to key a team effort up and down the line, at least from what I've seen so far. There'll be a team of the week in the future, so we'll go into them more later. Um, Blazers outlasted the Spurs 117 to 110. Jeremy Grant. 29 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist. He was the main guy for the Blazers, outlasting a monster Yaka game. You have some guys who have like a quiet, you know, 15 or a quiet 30 or a loud 10. Yaka had a huge 31 points and 14 rebounds. 5 assists as well. The guy had to go and finish around the basket. Little things there, little touch shots. Like, Yaka really had it going on uh, and led the way for the Spurs team. They just came up a little short. I will say this, Jeremy Grant has played so well for the Blazers, just knowing when to kind of pick up energy, knowing when to pick up offensive production and leading the way in, in that and, and doing a good job of just scoring and, and grabbing boards. Um, it wasn't just him, the backcourt of both Dame Lillard and Anthony Simons had 22 and 23 points respectively, should have done that reverse, uh, Simons had 23 points, 3 rebounds and 2 assists. Lula had 22 points, 2 rebounds, and 11 assists. Off the bench, Shaden Sharp had 13, and that was it for the double-digit scoring there. Like I said, Jeremy Grant consistently playing well. His shot is in effect right now. It's looking good for him. Uh, for the Spurs, aside from that Yakaproto game, he had 21 points from Devin Vassell with 2 rebounds and 2 assists. 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists for Kelton Johnson. Love the way he's played this season. And then 10 points for Kata Bates-Diop as well. Trey Jones, 10 assists, not a whole lot else on the offensive side. All in all, it was a valiant team effort for the Spurs. They just didn't have enough to outlast the Blazers, who now go to 10-4 and four, right up there among the ranks of the Western Conference, which I'm not going to lie to you, I did not see this happening. If you'd asked me that the Blazers would sit not among the ranks of the Western Conference, but statistically number one in the West, I would have said you're crazy. I would have said you're crazy, but there they are. Six and four in their last ten games, ten and four in total, number one in the West. And as for the Spurs, I mean listen, six and nine, not horrible. We know where the Spurs are going to be. They're thirteenth right now in ranking, and they're gonna end up being around there in the lottery. The the women Yama race will not have to worry about the Spurs, you know, uh uh losing some 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 stock in, in trying to get him because the Spurs will be there. But right now, you just see a young team that brings fight and effort. That's all you can ask for. Coach Pop is still there. I think he's rejuvenated by a youth movement, and 
it's kind of cool to see. So definitely something there. Last game of the night, the Jazz lost to the Knicks, unfortunately, 118-111. to 111. I say unfortunately because I've loved the way the Jazz have played recently. 10-6 and six so far. Um, literally, you talked about the Blazers being number one in the West. The Jazz are third. And it's such a fun sight to see when you have a team that you all assume, myself included, like we all assume, rather, that they were going to be, um, you know, among... The, 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 the cellar dwellers, and they come out and say, nah, surprise, mother chucka, all rise, mother chucka, you know, they, they come out there, and they show you that, no, you know, professionals, we have a good system going, we have a young, motivated coach, we have role players who know their role, we have guys who could step up, we're not winning any NBA championship with this team, like, I'm saying the 70s, but what we are going to do is compete make games tough for you. When you come to Utah or we come to you, you know that there's going to be a challenge. Like I said, this reminds me of like the 2013 Nuggets or the 2014 Suns. Like There's teams all up and down in history that you look at going, oh, they're not going to be much of anything. And they come and say, hey, we're, we compete. And that's enough, you know? Uh, this Jazz team is that. However, the Knicks had something for them last night. Knicks went on to win 118-111, to 35.4th quarter, Really sealed the deal for New York. Jalen Brunson, who's played solidly this season, led the way with 25 points, 3 rebounds, and 8 assists. Kelly Olenek led Utah with 27 points and 11 rebounds, as well as 2 assists. But it was not enough. Um, Ultimately, I mean, look. The Jazz, from from 3, I mean, in general, shot okay. I, I just think the Knicks, when you have a player like Brunson giving you 25, when you have Cam Reddish, who I enjoy so much in New York, giving you 19 points, not a lot else other than the score, but it gives you that, when you have R.J. Bear with 18, Julius Randle had 15, uh, off the bench, Emmanuel Quickly and, and, and Jericho Sims, like, it was good, a balanced, double-digit scoring for six players for New York, and when you look at the Jazz, I mean, they had the exact same amount, just not as high scores, you know what I mean, Malik Beasley off the bench of 14 points and 4 assists, Taylor Horn Tucker had 10, uh, Joe Jordan Clarkson had 15 points on 16 shots, but 15 points, Larry Markkinen, 13 points, coming down a little bit back to earth, but still very dominant um, for Utah, it just wasn't enough for them, and that's okay, it's not a whole lot to deconstruct there, they had a loss, it happens. But uh, in their fourth quarter, I think they could have done a much better job of handling the Knicks, limiting their scoring outbursts. Like I said, 35 points to 26 in the fourth isn't going to get it done. And that was really what largely held the Knicks to victory there. So just losing control down the stretch. New York, credit to them for going back and taking that game and making it a win for them as they are now 7-7. Seven and seven. So looking ahead to tonight's action. Pacers will clash against the Hornets. That should be an interesting game. Young talent up and down both rosters. The Thunder will play the Wizards. Thunder have been surprising. Even though they've been losing, they lost most recently to the Celtics. Uh, the backcourt of Josh Giddy and Shea Gibbs-Alexander is no joke. We'll see how the Wizards, who have been on the mini-win run themselves, will handle that. The Timberwolves will take on the Orlando Magic. The Wolves up and down as they are. Be interesting to see how they go against Paolo Bancaro and the Magic. The Celtics will play the Hawks. That is on ESPN. That is the first game of the night for me. Very interested to see how those two teams match up. The Heat will play the Toronto Raptors. Always fun. The Bulls will play the Pelicans. Pelicans on the second night to -to back-to-back. Bulls haven't been embarrassed just a couple days ago. We'll see how they respond. 
The Cavaliers will play the Bucks. Another good game. Up there nominations for game of the night. Definitely one I will be watching. Rockets will play the Mavericks. We'll see how, again, Luke and the Mavericks do on the second half of back-to-back against the Frisky Rockets team. I really hope Jabari Smith Jr. has a big game. I call him my rookie of the year so far as that happened at all. Not even close. So, you know, just for him to have some confidence and, and really get going. Let's knock down some shots. I really want him to play well. Knicks on the second half of back-to-back. We have quite a few teams. We have a returning action after playing last night. We'll play the Denver Nuggets, who are going to be without Nicole Jokic. He is out due to health and safety protocol, so that will definitely be a game that's much more of a toss-up, much more interesting of a matchup between those two. And then last but not least on ESPN to close out the night, the Golden State Warriors, who have not had a win on the road, will take on the Phoenix Suns, who have faltered a little bit, fallen to 8-5 and five after, you know, looking like the best of the West for a couple of weeks there. So we will see the Warriors and the Suns clash uh, that always has the potential for some fireworks, uh, but definitely a fun game to be sure. So, games of the night nomination, Celtics versus Hawks, Cavs versus Bucks, and Warriors versus Suns. But listen, with the NBA, especially this season, all of these games are going to be good. Definitely make sure to tune in and check them out. But listen, y'all, that is going to do it here for Round Ball Ramble. Appreciate y'all rocking with me this morning. Thank y'all so much. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. For how much longer on Twitter, I have no idea. But I will be there until it shuts down. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Pretty simple. Got a lot of great content there on a variety of sports. Don't miss it. Check them out there as well. All right, y'all. For myself, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all. Thank you.